I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal. And this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, February 29th. Actually, it's Tuesday, March 1st, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. There's no February 29th, even though it, it, should, it feels should like be. there should be. It yeah. definitely feels like 29th or the 30th should be the end of the month. You're right. I like that. I like that. That would save everybody some hassle. It would probably screw up the entire year if we did that. Brett, I had to get a new phone today, and today is Monday, and I realized that everything syncs over pretty easily. There's one thing that does not sync. Do you know what it is? No. What is it? My Wordle. So my streak, my stats, I was worried that they wouldn't translate over when New York Times bought them. But what really happened is they won't sync from my old phone to my new phone. So I had to start fresh today or yesterday. And now I have this new streak and I'm kind of broken up about it. But did you think you had a pretty good record to begin with? Like, were you pretty happy with what you had in your old phone? Yes, because I've solved them all. So that's in and of itself. I'm like a three, maybe four guy. So like, I think I'm pretty talented at it. I thought I might be able to go pro. But now with my old stats gone, I'm screwed. I like Wordle, but I've got to ask, like, is it just another fad? Like, do you think you'll be playing Wordle for the long run here? I mean, maybe. I do like the word game. I mean, I don't think it's Pokemon Go type of like up and down. So, you know, it's I like Here's what it has going for it. The once a day part is pretty good. The social aspect to it is pretty interesting. The fact that it is actually challenging is cool. And I don't care. I like it. So whether it lasts a long time or not, I don't really care. I do care about those like 45 days of stats that I'll never get back. Well, look, here's what I'll do. I'm going to check in a month from now on March 27th, the last day of March or whatever it is. (laughs) And then we'll see if you're still playing. And that'll be a good test. My my whole world has actually changed since you gave me the idea to start with Rote, R-O-A-T-E. Yeah, I've been using it too. It's very, very good and uh, better than Irate, which is what I was using before. So... Kudos to you for giving me that advice, but now you my get stats on TikTok. Are gone. This is what this is why you get on TikTok for information like that. And War Talk, as we talked about yesterday. Yeah. Brett, aside from losing my stats and Wordle, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, minimum wage. For our second story, escape. And for our third story, no Apple pay for you. For our first story, the provincial government of Ontario announced that it will become the first place in North America to set a minimum wage for gig workers. This feels like pretty big news, Brent. What's going on with Ontario labor law? So Ontario Labor Minister Monty McNaughton said the new law will guarantee the province's minimum wage of $15 per hour plus tips to app-based gig workers, including those who drive for Uber or deliver for Skip the Dishes. The minimum wage will only apply to, quote, active time when drivers are providing a ride or making a delivery, not the downtime when they're waiting to be assigned a job. So make sure to keep tipping your drivers and delivery people, obviously. The new rules will also require companies to provide gig workers with information on how their pay is calculated and factors influencing how they are assigned work, data that is now sometimes obscured by the complex algorithms. Now, this is all great, but the changes do not address the employment status of gig workers, an issue that some labor experts say is at the root of the problem with the gig economy. Now, Jim Stanford, the director of Future Work Think Tank, argues that rather than creating separate laws for gig workers, they should be categorized as normal employees and offered full and equal protections, minimum wages, workers' compensation, collective bargaining rights, pensions, and paid holidays. Not surprisingly, Uber has rejected calls to extend employee status to gig workers, as it would probably upend their whole business model, and instead propose a package of targeted benefits and protections, along with a guaranteed minimum wage that would amount to $18 per hour in Ontario, more than the province's new law would require. So, Brett, what's the big takeaway with the new gig worker changes? 
While Ontario is the first North American jurisdiction to set a floor on gig worker wages, across the Atlantic, the European Union is preparing to fully include gig workers in existing employee protections and benefits. For our second story, technology firms with offices and employees in Ukraine are working to help staff leave the country amid intensifying Russian invasion. This is all per the Globe and Mail. Jay, this is a neat story. How are tech companies helping in Ukraine? So many North American companies have tapped into Ukraine's educated and multilingual workforce while embracing remote environments, including Google, Microsoft, Snap, and Oracle, all of which has offices and employees in Kyiv. While companies like Grammarly, Snap, and Revolut have contingency plans in place, including undisclosed budgets and support for relocation that they have now deployed, they thought an invasion was improbable, though. Now, in Canada, several tech companies, including GeoComply, told the Globe and Mail that the government has not moved along visas and refugee applications for their Ukrainian staff. Now, others have taken matters into their own hands, including developing solutions with countries bordering Ukraine. Israeli-based Wix has evacuated a thousand Ukraine-based employees and their families to Turkey for at least two weeks and critical employees to Poland, but will extend their stay if the situation continues to escalate. Germany-based Hamburg Hafen und Logistik how'd I do? Pretty good? How's your uh, well, German? Not great. <laughs> okay, uh, well, they, tog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they evacuated the last of its 480 employees by sea and are paying employees one month's salary in advance so they can stock up on essential goods. I'll say this, it's better than your French. That's for sure. <laughs> for some, the worries go far beyond business or cyber threats. They're human and are therefore the ultimate test for desire and ability to act in the interest of employee well-being. So, Jay, what's Canada's bigger plan to help Ukrainian refugees? Good question. Well, Canada's Minister of Immigration said his department was approved more than 1,800 Ukrainian immigration applications and is working on, quote, a suite of measures to process emergency requests, but has not elaborated on specific details. For our last story, yesterday morning, we talked about the new sanctions designed to cripple the Russian economy. By the end of the day, those measures had their desired effect, and things are getting pretty hairy in Russia's financial markets. Brett, want to catch peak pals up to what's going on with the Russian economy post-sanctions? Sure. So Western sanctions have isolated Russia from global financial markets and limited the ability of its central bank to access foreign reserves. This is prompting concerns that the value of Russia's currency, the ruble, could collapse. Those fears proved warranted as the ruble fell by nearly 30% yesterday, its largest single-day fall ever, ever, Brett. Russia's central bank responded by raising interest rates from 9.5% to 20%, a move intended to prevent a run on banks from people eager to hoard cash. Now, Vladimir Putin also banned Russians from sending foreign currency abroad, and the central bank said the Moscow Stock Exchange would stay closed on Tuesday. It has to open at some time. The central bank has ordered companies to sell 80% of their foreign currency, forcing them to buy rubles in a bid to stop the currency's freefall. Meanwhile, the price of Russian bonds fell steeply, a sign that investors now believe the country could default on its debt. Now, here's why it matters, Brett. To put this in concrete terms, imagine this, Brett. You wake up one morning to find your Canadian dollars were suddenly worth 30% less even than they are now versus the U.S. dollar. Your mortgage was about to get twice as expensive thanks to a doubling interest rates. There was a two-hour lineup to take cash out of the ATM and your credit card. Well, it no longer worked. How does that feel, Brett? It does not feel good, Jay. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, what are we watching as the impact of sanctions continue to unfold? I know we're laughing here, but it's it's actually very serious what's yes. happening in Russia. And 
Russia's central bank will likely continue ramping up measures to support the value of the ruble and keep the banks above water, but more chaos in Russian financial markets could have a global impact. Europe, and to a lesser extent, U.S. banks have lent significant amounts of money to customers in Russia. If that money isn't repaid, Western central banks may need to turn those money printers back on. They've been down for a bit. We're going to turn them back on to backstop global financial markets. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to. And only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, I'm going to take you up on your 45-day offer. I will still be doing Wordle 45 days from now, I think. Okay. That, look, it's great if you do. <laughs> Have a good day, Brett. You too. You too.